and welcome to Exiting Through the 2010s, a podcast where we reflect and dissect the movies of the past 10 years. I'm your host, Jack Draper, and with me, the co-host, Clay Williams. Hey. How are you, man? I'm all right. We're yeah. talking about a movie. So, yeah. You know. What's the last greatest thing you've seen? Fuck, man. All right. You're going to put me on the spot like that? Yeah. I saw Videodrome. Yeah. The Cronenberg film. Yeah. And I mean, like, long live the new flesh. Am I right? Deaf to Videodrome? Like, <laughs> it does suck that James Wood is a piece of shit. So, right. right. Like, I mean, I that's kind of the, the He's big so hot in that movie. Back. Okay, I wouldn't He's bring so it that hot. far. I He's would not. really hot in that movie. Oh, come on. I, I can't like he's he's scum so it sucks so i can't appreciate how hot he is i mean and, you know, james woods has looked worse and better but and Debbie i think videodrome is kind of like in the middle like yeah Debbie IMO. is literally in this movie and you're talking about him <laughs> i mean <laughs> scummy it's true but like i <sighs> but i don't have any pro i don't have any com- i don't have any conflicting feelings with those other people because i don't know enough about them i have conflicting feelings with james because he's right. just a horrible person <laughs> i get it just like Debbie who Hayley. sucks so bad yeah. he's so and that's why i love person. uh james woods in the virgin suicides because he's so like neurotic and closed off yeah he plays the family to the lisbon girls or the family the dad to the lisbon girls and he's so you know introverted and he keeps to himself like he has this basement of like model airplanes and you're like this is not what the actual james woods is so it's not like a dig at the man himself but it's like you just want to imagine uh he is the that character almost Mm mm-hmm because it's such a yeah, flip side I, to the actual, you know. I, I it's like if you saw Jeffrey just, Jones in that role. It's like oh, I man, just wish people. Just... I wish I wish people would stop sucking so I could appreciate how hot or <laughs> like good at their job they are or something. Yeah. Just like, but like morally, I, you can. Yeah. See that you like, can look. Stop. Stop being racist pieces of shit so I can just be like, hmm, you're pretty good looking. That's that. So that's you know, it. that's all I want in this world. That's just, just people like stop being problematic. Face. Yeah. <laughs> I know, like he has a good face. He had a good face. Now he looks like a wrinkled yeah. mouth, you know, transformed to a person. He's looked a little better, is what we could say. Yeah. yeah. All right. No more James Wood talks. We have we have <laughs> someone the who's ten to- talk. who I can say with all certainty is better than James Woods. We have someone who is thank you much so better. Oh my no, God. no, not it, you. Oh. I mean, you oh. are better than James Woods, but this person it's not is a terribly much- high bar. If I might mm-hmm. add. It's true, but this person add. is much better than James Woods. And we have us with us today. Uh, I said wrong things in that order. Um, we have returning guest, four, three timers, four timers? Three time. We just three remembered Three timers this. club, Shay Vassar. Hello, I'm here. <laughs> you are here. Love How's everything you? going? You? Yeah. I'm, I'm decent. I'm chilling. You know, it's, it's, a good month it's spooky season so i'm watching a bunch of spooky movies absolutely as, 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 I, as all three of us are yeah yeah, yeah. it's great can't i mean i'm trying to I, every year i do this horror list and, and that's always something forward to you know making the list and then watching this so um i'm always trying and, and this year i'm trying to like reincorporate uh directors from from years past like i'm doing a martin like george romero's martin Ooh. as a mm. night of the living dead was um uh one from a few years the list from a few years ago so i'm excited to, 
to get the, Crit- the Criterion channel has a lot a lot of great horror right now um yeah. especially oh, like yeah. 70s 70s horror. horror yeah of course I've I my yeah. list has tried to focus more on pre-2010s horror um I've only I only because we don't know anything about 2010 so it's like you're no we know nothing um right. it's funny that I've avoided watching any 2010s mo- new 2010s movie just so <laughs> like I know it's going to come up on this podcast so I don't feel the need to really? watch it so same yeah no that's i it's crazy how this has changed my viewing habits uh the only thing i did watch in the 2010s for my october list was final destination 5 because i had a good feeling no one would pick it requirement it's on the afi top 100 like scary times for scary people you know it's It's, it had tony todd in it so it's a pretty good movie (laughs) i think i've watched tony Candyman, Candyman, Candyman. oh you should watch five five is much better than four five is actually pretty good there's a twist in five. That's pretty cool. Okay, I'm down mm. for it. Because, yeah, there's, like, after, like, <clears throat> three, it's the same. After two, it's, like, the same thing over and over. And I'm like, okay, I get it. One is good. Two yes. is okay. Three is good. Yes. Four, I- four is genuinely bad. Ooh. Um, it's just, it's a, bo- it, it, it's, it's a, it's one of the biggest sins you can commit as a slasher film. It's boring. It's a boring mm-hmm. film. And the oh. kills and the kills suck in four. They just suck. Mm-hmm. Um, five? five? Good. Good movie. Excellent. We'll Glad we cleared that up. We cover them someday. Yeah. No. Which ones? Because the final, it's are... only five. Five. Only I mean, five the only, makes the and, cut. And maybe someone picks it. That would be weird to just mm-hmm. choose the fifth one. Um, I don't know how we incorporate all the others, um, but the fifth one is on HBO Max for any of my final heads out there. Is that what they're called? I don't know. That's probably a good guess. Desties. My desties. Oh, that's actually pretty good. So last time that we had you on, we did a movie called Birdman. Yeah, we and did. That was before times. Before it times. is, and we kind of when we had Gabby back on, it was kind of weird. Like, it, 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 we're living in another decade. Yeah. No. Um, oh, that's there. what you mean. Oh wait, no wait. Never mind. Sorry. No. Keep, keep going. My yeah, bad. Sorry. My brain and just my no, brain it's fine. It's fine. And um. So yeah, it's just it's kind of weird to think how how much has changed since last time we met on here. <laughs> I know. Uh, life. Twenty twenty. Yeah. And of course, like everything's gonna just you know go back to normal. Twenty one twenty one, like July January first. <laughs> so. <laughs> ah, but life goes on yeah right right and, and, you at know, least that's what like, we're told that's true and you know we can we can live in another world where i don't know some betrayals happen some mystery some mm. romance mm. Uh, conflicting cultural identities Ooh, I think I get where you're going here. Mm. I don't know. Maybe there's a movie out there that's like this one that has that, it's about a sweet romance that is in a world of cruelty and men. <laughs> <laughs> Twists I, and turns almost is, is there a, unfolds is there like such a, a yeah, page turner novel. A, is there such a movie out there? Like that came out, I want to say approximately in 2016. Mm. Mm. Did it win Best Screenplay at the Cannes Film Festival? Let me think. 
I, it might have a hybrid of uh, Korean and Japanese languages mixed throughout, while mm -hmm. are also are cleverly in the closed captioning. One is white, and uh, like the Korean is uh, white, uh, has a white font, and mm -hmm. the Japanese has a yellow font. Huh. Is there a film like that? Is there such a film? There's, this there's not one. Bridesmaids. No, no. Oh, yeah. oh, no. You're getting close. Okay. Hmm. Warmer. Uh, the Handmaiden. I oh, believe so. Yeah. Adapted I mean, from Sarah Waters' novel. Is that a novel? I didn't know that. It is a novel. novel. It is. But well, it's in a different time. In yeah, true. In a different time. Uh, uh, is in uh, in uh, England. Yes. Oh, really? In a different really? place. Yeah, yeah, but, yeah. But uh, obviously, Park Chan Wook switched locations, but it just works absolutely as well. Oh, if not better. If not better. Okay, so let's just get into it. I, yeah, I, let's just do it. No, okay, no. Masterpiece. We, we can't we're going to drop the bit, honestly. I can't even deal with this bit. We, we are talking about... The, we don't know. Yeah. We are talking about the 2016 motion picture, The Handmaiden. The Handmaiden. By Park Chan Wook. She Vassar. I would I love hear. to know the first time that you saw this movie. So actually, it was kind of weird because the first time I saw this movie, I somehow didn't see it when it came out. And it was just last year that I saw this movie for the first time. And I was taking a national cinema class and we were focusing on different uh, regions of Asia. So I, we started with mm -hmm. Japanese and then we went to uh, Chinese. We did some even like Hong Kong film and then um, we went to Korean film. And this was the one of the films we watched for the Korean genre, which was cool. But when you're watching it in class, it's like not the most comfortable viewing. Um, because nope. like my professor is like an old white guy with like super white hair and stuff. And he's like, isn't that film great? Let's discuss it. And I'm like, you are the last <laughs> person I want to talk about this movie. Like, this is not it. And, right, and by like, the way, you can it. just, when you say like, he was an old white uh, professor teaching cinema studies you could just be like oh picture a college professor right like yeah <laughs> in general typical <laughs> and so and he kept wanting it like he kept telling us how often he had watched this film and it made me a little uncomfortable as well because mm. i was like are you watching it for the right reasons like right. you do have to question the, that when someone brings that up you do have to kind of be like <laughs> yeah especially i mean you seem people. okay but yeah. It's like a long film. Like, I'm not like, oh, hey, I'm just going to sit down this afternoon and watch this super easy viewing film. Like, it's a long, it's in a language I don't speak. It's like kind of heavy in areas. Like, come on. I don't just sit down and watch The Handmaiden. No. I, <laughs> yeah, I, it's quite I, dense. That's, right. That's interesting. Uh, I won't want to say problematic, but it's problematic. All right. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, yeah, so you saw it in Cinema Studies. Yeah, so it, it was, you know, but the whole time, thankfully, we watched it in an actual little cinema room. So it wasn't mm. like just a classroom. And I was really struck by how much I liked it. And I had seen other um, Park Chan-wook films before. So I kind of knew to be expecting a lot of twists and turns. But I still was like, oh, my gosh, I wasn't ready. Oh, my God, I wasn't. Oh, my mm. God, I'm not ready yeah. for this. Yeah. Even though, right. like that happens in all of his other films it's not like it's like new yeah of course he's he's not afraid to to make narrative turns and in like 
zig when you're gonna zag and stuff like uh yeah he's he really knows how to like adapt story and he has well control over his screenplay on top of being just like such a well-versed filmmaker but we'll um we'll get into it later my first time i remember seeing it after it had its can premiere when it came on to prime like it's similar to honey boy when we did that like it was um first time that it hit prime like i'm there day one i've heard enough i had seen old boy very very formative seeing old boy at the ripe old age of like 15 oh gosh <laughs> and oh, then, gosh. um <laughs> very very good um i think that was if i'm not mistaken that could be like the first or one of the first foreign language films that i've ever seen wow i feel like and, that's a lot of uh, People right, yeah, our age. and it's kind of like in the film broy canon, which it's can, fil- which it's can a film you know, that can that can kind of. It's be unfortunate. I did it's have a friend after I watched it because I saw that one a little bit later too, mm-hmm. like in the last like four or five years. And I I told a friend I was like, you have to watch this movie, and he's like, oh yeah, the Spike Lee one. I was like, no, not the remake, <laughs> which <laughs> we could cover someday, but <laughs> potentially, potentially, uh, <laughs> that'd be interesting. Spike, you want to come on? Come on, Spike. <laughs> this is the movie you want to talk about. We all know it. Him and Josh Brolin, can you imagine? <laughs> That'd be cool. <laughs> but uh, I feel like Josh Brolin's one of your guys. Is that accurate? I like him as an actor. I like yeah, I like his like I like what he does. I think uh, he he gives good performances. I appreciate his craft. So yeah, it's really vague. I'm, I'm going to take it as yes. But um, I was just enraptured when I saw it the first time, and it was just like wow. That is like a full course meal. I feel like well-fed, you know, it's just, I, um, everything I could ask for in a film and more, it's just all right here. Like you um, said, it's dense. It's dense. Yeah. It's, it's a quite dense, dense film. And I saw, uh, Stoker just recently. Oh, I seen so joint good. security area just recently. That's his breakthrough. And, um, uh, Little Drummer Girl, oh. which was excellent on AMC, which I feel like uh, 13 people, myself, you, and Eric Zipper have seen, <laughs> and 10 more. And, uh, and it feels like a little miniseries made for like a handful of people. It's very fun. Uh, yeah, I meant to ask as well, what's your history with Park Chan-wook? I I've seen a lot of his stuff. I will say, and it's, like it's it's kind of a hot take, but I do really love Stoker. It I like Stoker too. I, I think he handles it. Yeah, no, yes. I, I'm with you. Uh, I mean, I love Old Boy. I love The Handmaiden. Like, don't get me mm. wrong. The Handmaiden, I think, is a better made like film overall, uh, just because it's dealing with something so heavy and and the twists and the turns. But Stoker. It reminds me of like the atmosphere. Reminds me of like a Guillermo del Toro film. But it's kind like, of Yorgos Lanthimos too. Yeah, yeah. Right. Uh, I just, and some of the shots in there and everything, I just like, that movie like stuck with me in a way mm-hmm. that a lot of films like I'll like, but <clears> they, <throat> don't, they don't stick with me and not one mm. did. And you so, feel like someone can get in a yelling match at any moment in that movie. It's very dreadful, very it's dreadful. horrible, but at the same time, I'm like, I can't stop watching. Yeah. It's, Where did Mia Vashikoska go? That's what I'm wondering. I, I know she was just in The Devil all the time, but still, like, I feel like she's just done. Uh, I think she's, 
doing something, but that could be just a rumor. I don't really right, know. Right, right. Ugh, I know. I want her to come back and do real film again. <laughs> yeah. Um, Clay, what's your history with The Handmaid? Uh, Not The Handmaid's Tale, which I considered offering you as a bit like, oh, was I supposed to watch The Handmaiden? Meant to Handmaid's Tale is what I said. I watched all season. Yeah, yeah, right, right. I've been up all night. <laughs> I don't know how to respond. Um, no, uh, so I watched it today for the very first time. Uh, it's a bit, it's been a big blind spot for me because 2016 was one of the first years I really got into film in general. So, you know, it was definitely one of those films that appeared in almost like every respectable critics, like top 10 list or whatever. Um, and you know, definitely an auteur film, you know, you knew existed at least you did very much. So, um, I never really, I, I don't think I, I didn't really know what it was about for a long time. Like, I, I honestly couldn't tell you if I knew it was like a lesbian drama or not, or, and had, or had all these twists about book, uh, books and book collecting and, or there, even there was like con men involved. I mm. actually, I, you know what? I can say this with certainty. I legitimately had no idea what the fuck it was about. That's awesome. Um, <laughs> no, that's a great, it's a great, I mean, there's, a, you'll hear it all the time. Like, don't, go in knowing anything but this is the perfect the only thing i did know before watching it today was so this is a weird i mean this connects to the show actually pretty much directly so we covered blue is the warmest color Mm. about months ago months 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 ago that was in may i believe yeah we uh, had Valerie Complex on to really uh, rag on it because it's a bad film. Um, and we, you know, we were discussing with Lewis Warmer's Color. Unfortunately, there's a lot of, um, you know, it's very male gazy. We're discussing a lot about like, you know, gratuitous sex scenes that feel exploitive and, you know, just lo- like, it, it, it's just really gross stuff and please listen to that episode i really enjoy that one yeah it's a good episode it's the first time we've ever really been like negative about like truly like we all all three of us were like fuck this movie um are you forgetting we also discussed green book oh yeah but that was two of us and we were very bored that was a that's that's i mean i think we're i think we're pretty good at this i'll be honest like i'm not trying to just blow shit like you know i'm not trying to blow air up our asses but like i think we're good at podcasting legitimately I think that's our worst episode. Oh, Just the, the two of us, Green Book. It might, it, it, it's oh. at least like maybe, I don't know. I think there's well, just, I, there's no substance to that. There's, it was I, I so mean, boring. I, I would put... Um, we were both defeated. <laughs> I would put uh, King's Speech above. Yeah, that's another one where we're both kind of like, it's a movie. Um, um, I mean, yeah. It's a movie. It's a movie. I watched. Jeffrey Rush is great. Um, that's yeah. But uh, but besides that, so yeah, blue is warmest color. Um, Rush is fine. We, yeah, it's a bad movie. Um, and it has a gross director and had a lot of gross things surrounding it. But a lot, we talked a lot about like how like sex scenes in Hollywood, especially with like uh, like in a um, lesbian drama and how they're made and how bad they can be, how tasteful they could be. Like Carol is something that comes to mind of like something that really like handles the subject matter with respect and integrity and doesn't make it feel foreign or disgust. Like it just, 
not for, when I mean foreign, I mean like sometimes these filmmakers make sex scenes look like they're from another planet. Like this is not how people like interact with each other. This is just like, this is your fucking fantasy. Chill. You want to make um, sex scenes look sexy, I think. Yeah. And it gets to a point where it's just like, well, this is not like, this, this has no standing in reality. Like this is, this is not how people like legitimately act with each other. Um, but doing like research on Blue is Warm's Colored, like just like people talking about it via either Twitter or some like reviews, The Handmaiden was reference of how like it is, The Handmaiden does have expli- uh, explicit sex scenes, lesbian sex scenes, but it's done, it connects to the narrative much more and it feels like it fits and it does not feel gross and overly male gazy. And it's also like Lewis Warmer, Lewis the Warmest Color has like five random sex scenes thrown in for no reason besides for the no director. It's, yeah. it's a bad movie. It's, kind, it's just a gross thing that exists. Um, Actually, I think I've turned around on the film. Um, oh, yeah, very funny. I gave Have it you? another go. I gave yeah, it a third yeah. go. <laughs> Three hours. Three hours. <laughs> Jesus Christ almighty. Um, yeah. Um, so that was the only really like, I'm like, oh, I didn't, one, I didn't know that there was a lesbian love story in here. And I didn't know they had like, like, I, I, again, nothing. And that's the only real background information I had. I'm, I like Park Chang-wook. Um, he's talked about with a lot of reverence. I've only seen Old Boy. I like that movie. Mm-hmm. I haven't seen it in a long time. That was like you, Jack, that might've been like, honestly, that could have been my first foreign film I've ever watched. Because it was mm. very much that film, bro. Like, man, you gotta watch it. The fight scenes are incredible. Yeah. That twist, that one crazy, take, man. It's yeah, it's fight. just. I'm sure that's. Yeah. And like, I don't know if that film has particularly aged well, especially with that. No, twist. it's it's aged beautifully. Um, I, I. That 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 twist is, the more I think about it, is like I don't know about that. Um, but I I remember it being a good movie. Um, I think it's a good movie. I've seen scenes from it. I think it's, I think it has a definitely like Park Chan-wook has this visual language to um, this and uh, the, the handmade and old boy that I find so engrossing and just like, mm, right. Yeah. I don't know. It, it, you are really watching a master at work. And I know that's like very, <laughs> right. It's so I, everyone kind of says that. Out. Yeah. it's yeah, so, yeah. it's so played out. Um, but it, it, he just truly has, he just, uh, his direction is just, just that great in how it flows from each scene how it kind of sets the tone of every character interaction and like how it feels i don't know it's classical but it doesn't feel polished yeah it feels like it feels neat and clean but not you know not sanitized i feel like uh i saw someone on letterbox describe him like uh oh man i just lost it you feel as though uh yeah I, i'm sorry no go ahead i just had a thought yeah there. it happens um <laughs> whoops but yeah no like so yeah it's been a long time since i've seen old mm. boy i need to rewatch that and i need to i gotta watch see like, i gotta see thirst and uh, um the hey, vengeance uh, for mr and mrs Sim- uh sympathy for mr Mitch's it's mrs. like lady vengeance mrs. and oh my god that one is two of them yeah yeah, I need to watch. I need to watch those. And uh, but I'm um, a cyber, but that's okay. I gotta see that. One. I also need to watch Stoker, which mm-hmm. I've heard. I, I I honestly don't know anything about any of these movies. For some reason, <laughs> I have just no background with Park Chan Wook besides Old Boy. 
And that's the most basic thing you can really like say is just like, oh, I watched Old Boy. That was good. Um, but I did watch it and it was good. And it's been a long time, but right. uh, I didn't know what to and expect watching it's such a boring this. take to, to say that too. True. Yeah, um, Old Boy's pretty all right. <laughs> but like, yeah, no, Old The Handmaiden. Boy. Watched it right. uh, today. Uh, holy fuck, what a great movie. Yes. Okay. Like, well, thank God you're not like, guys, I have, I have a take. <laughs> It, it's legitimately like i would have loved to see this in a theater and i know that sounds oh, weird with like the but like those twists and i mean we'll get to like all of that but like just the when it hits that second part the pace it just fucking goes and it yeah. just i've just i kept you know getting closer and closer to the screen as it happened like at first like in the first part i was laying back in my couch just kind of like oh, i'm watching a movie as one does part, Second part, I'm kind of sitting up. And then third part, I'm on the fucking edge, and then I'm like, I'm just glued to it. Like yeah. I, oh, you're about ready to just, pop some champagne bottles. It's, like, it, it's it's so thrilling. Um, well, also again, like you said, Jack, it's dense and it has that emotional core, and you know that really just it grounds you throughout the entire film and makes you so much more invested. Because I mean, yes, it's. It, it you know the direction is great but if you don't have those characters in it you just feel i don't know i would like just be i would be very like third party i would just look oh that's great filmmaking or oh this is an interesting thing to watch but the like, but with um the main two leads uh i don't know which which name to call um yeah names are going to be kind of hard for uh, because she goes by two um but uh Hideko, Hideko uh the the lady of the household and uh well okay Suki well, well uh, that's her is that her real name or is that the fake name I think it's a real name whatever I think it's Doesn't matter. real name I think so too and I just watched it and but I can't yeah I think it's Suki um yeah, but no, their chemistry and their relationship that just makes you so much more involved. You just feel like you're a part of the film instead well, of just like looking at it. And and when you think about the film, like in a general sense, it's long. Don't get me wrong, but mm-hmm. when it when it gets to the structure of the film, it's like your basic three part structure. <laughs> explicitly and when you think about that. Explicitly, you think like you're like, oh, that's so simple, but like. Think of how many films get the three-part structure so wrong. Mm-hmm. And even though it, like, it is extended, so that is obviously going to be a, like where it is more challenging because he's packing so much into each section there. And they're pretty equal parts, which in other films, like, you know, the three-part structure has gotten to where the, the first part and even the third act are very short compared to the middle. Mm-hmm. But these are so equal and beautifully balanced. And you're like, oh, that's what a screenplay is supposed to look like when it is turned into a movie, you know? Like, and you don't see that with a lot of other films that are being produced nowadays. Like, usually you're like, ooh, there has to be something wrong in the writing. Yeah, it feels oh, like... Yeah. Un, it feels like finished and uh, yeah, and complete and very tight. I know that's that's kind of like broad uh, compliments, but still, it's it's like it's so it's so uh, well it's so like well thought out, and you feel like you're exactly. in good hands throughout. Um, I think it ben- it really benefits from being sort of a revisionist uh, 
I suppose, costume drama, if we want to use that term. And he's revising these common, not tropes, but, but like red flags that, that we'll see like the, the mistress and, and the suave con man and uh, the head lady of, that, of, the, of the mansion. But he's so visually gifted and he has such a dry wall sense of humor, similar to Bong Joon-ho, but not like too samey. Mm-hmm. Um, right. It, it, makes it, it makes it go from good to great because of that. And not, not like it's not American, so it can't be what, that way. But um, yeah, and just because Park Jan-wook, I think, uh, nailed the material. Yeah, I, I, I was thinking about, Shay, your comment about the three-act structure and how just like perfectly balanced it is here. I'm trying to think, well, what film do I think really succeeded in that level? Um, and the one that just came to mind, because uh, I can't really think of a other one, is uh, The Irishman, uh, Scorsese's really last new movie. But that movie is, oh, what is it? Three hours and 30 minutes long? Yeah, 20 minutes. Yeah. So this movie is two hours and 20 minutes long. And I'm trying to think the reason why I feel like a lot of three-act structures get it wrong. And I mean, I you just said this is that they're so off balance sometimes. Yeah. Is that, you know, the, the, the beginning and the end are way too short or, you know, it, it feels uneven and it kind of like it either starts abruptly or ends abruptly or takes too long to start, takes too long to end. Scorsese needed three hours and 30 minutes to do that. <laughs> Park Chan Wook needed two hours and 20. I'm not saying like, oh, that means Handmaiden's 10 times better or Park Chan Wook's a better filmmaker than Scorsese. I'm, I'm not even thinking that. I'm just saying it, it just shows you how fucking hard it is. And even yeah. for a master like Scorsese and how like special and fucking rare the Handmaiden is for it to be so... Uh, I keep coming back to something Jack said. I feel like a full course meal. It is... I mean, you have said that in the past about other film, films, but like this to me just feels like the fucking definition. I feel, I get, I get, I was told three narratives basically that's, you know, that's sewn together beautifully and made my heart sing. And like, oh, yeah, and all just, of them don't feel like incomplete and they give you catharsis. Like, and it, like I, an I was taken on this journey of like, and also there's a ton of fucking great commentary in here that has all, that also stimulates you while you're watching it and makes you think like, it's just it's what movies funny. are supposed it's to be. It's funny too. It's, exactly. it's really yeah. fun. It's uh, surprisingly his most, possibly, if, I mean, I'll hear anything else that it's his most accessible, I think. I would say, I mean, cause old boy too, like, and, where you're talking about it's like a full course meal is also where it it like hits so many genres as well like you can't really put it in one where like for old boy i'm like that's an action film but this <laughs> one is like kind of a period drama it's a romance it's yes. like you said it's got joint security area is definitely it's, like a war movie yeah exactly stoker is like a drama like a pure mm-hmm. drama like it's a little creepy but it's a drama <laughs> this one is like also spooky at times like this movie hits so many boxes and usually when a filmmaker tries to cross those boundaries of even like just two genres you're gonna start getting into the cheesiness and this movie never feels cheesy which is a big thing because it's like it's so like defined and atmospheric 
in all these moods, like funny and like, like sexy and, and dark, but then at no point does it feel like they conflict. No. And right from the beginning, it's a, it's like a crime drama with the, uh, with the suave con man. Yeah, it's like a heist. It's like a heist yeah, film like or some shit. Film. But you're stealing a person's inheritance. <laughs> right. It's like what? <laughs> and it, yeah. I mean, it. There's so many. You know, it's a thriller. It's romance. Like, at first, when she mentioned like the like in the very beginning when um, uh, when Lady Hideki. I'm 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 gonna feel so fucking dumb learning the correct pronunciation. <laughs> Whose character later. are you trying to? Uh, the the lady, the the um, lady, lady of the household, Lady yeah. Hideko. Thank you. Fuck me in the ass. All right, um, Lady Hideko. <laughs> um, and when she has that first nightmare, like right in the beginning of the film, she's screaming about seeing her mother's ghost, or I think her aunt's ghost in um in the yard um on the, the cherry tree. flower like, yeah yeah i'm like oh is this is this like a horror movie at first right? i'm like oh we're dealing with ghosts now yeah. um and it's not not a horror film i mean it gets it right. gets pretty horrific at times especially excuse me especially with how like that's the 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 reading scenes or any or any any of the like scenes in the second part of seeing how hideko is treated and just like like her uncle's a fucking horror villain like it, it's it it does blend the genres really well and smoothly uh which and it, is, you you could you are you're totally in the right to suspect it's horror like tendencies not only yeah were you misguided in uh thinking she was seeing the apparitions of her aunt but the setting of the big giant haunted house which is Again, we're pulling out all the cliches, but it's a character in and of itself that you feel as though, oh, could this be something like Jack Clayton's The Innocence, where you right. feel like the mistress is going to be slowly going insane because she is in disbelief with her own head if the apparition is actually there or not. And, you know, the audience could feel like they're going through the same uh, psychosis. But when it reveals itself to peel back more of the uh, onion layers, it's it just gets better and better. <laughs> and uh, it just doesn't stop with, um, you know, the, the romance at its core, but then it's, once it switches perspective, you're, you're like, there's so much more going on here. Completely. I mean, I did want to jump and say one thing because, so I, I have a really good friend who I recommend movies to, and she'll like watch a lot of what I recommend to her. And she watched this one. And she's someone who like identifies on the queer scale somewhere. Uh, none of us are really sure where, but like somewhere. And she was saying like, I like the film, but the final scene was the one that made me really uncomfortable because that's not how two women have sex. And I will admit, I did feel the same. Like the final scene where they're like scissoring, I'm like, mm. but it, in a way it also goes because it's like, you know, the whole idea is, like, very fantastical. I think that's when, like, you see, like, the imagery around them as they're, like, supposedly making love. In the fairy, you know? yeah. Exactly, at the at the very end. And so I, I really think it's, like, the director is, like, obviously, like, Park Chong-wook is, like, he's definitely commenting on a lot in this film. And it's not just the, like, civil war that's going on. Um, I think... And I actually think he, he's commenting on something that's 
similar to Stoker and this idea of like um, who's who's like world we're living in and like specifically in misogyny. And and the film deals with so much misogyny and we see that and like she's literally a prisoner to misogyny like you know obviously it's more explicit than just like saying the word misogyny but like she like and then both of them are you know dealing with some of these oppressive systems and I think that in a way that last scene is kind of pointing some of that out um I mean and maybe I'm wrong um because I I do see this film on a lot of lists where it's like queer movies that get it right or queer love stories in film that get it right um but that was the only one that I felt like a little odd about like because there's even moments in the film where they're not even having sex and I'm like that is hot like the toothache yeah. part I'm like dear god like she has a fucking toothache and she's like touching it and I'm mm. like this is the sexiest moment of my life or even like the undressing like right. when she's talking about the buttons on the dress, yeah. Those are hotter I, than the sex scenes, honestly. It, like exactly. The yeah, sensuality there. I mean, both actresses are just so great. Um, oh, fantastic! Just to come, oh, yeah. to come on that last sex scene, the thing that, and I don't necessarily know what to take away from it, but this is just what I. This is my observation. That so those bells or whatever. I, I I apologize if this is getting too graphic for our listeners, but I gotta fucking talk about it. Right? No, we have to. This is a uh, graphic movie, let's be honest, especially the, sexually. Exactly. The bells were described from one of the earlier books she was reading. That whole, like, thing going on there was apparent, like, was, it, I, if I watched the movie correctly, which I think I did, was one of the stories they read about, like, one of her stories that she read for the pervy guys in the room was, like, involving those bell, that bell thing. And it was obviously written by a guy, those erotic fantasies. So it was kind of, so it's more of like that this, and as she said, uh, uh, Lady Hideki a lot was like, I only know what's, like, I haven't left this fucking mansion. I only know from what I read from the books or just what like other people have told me, but it's mostly I get informed from these books. So it's kind of like she's hurt. She read that because she's not really familiar with relationships or, or sex in general, or I guess she's familiar with sex by reading all that shit, but like real like how real people act not that a lot of that like erotic gross shit that she had to read in front of those people which is like porn of that day like you know what i mean like that would be like only watching porn for the first like 25 30 years of your life and then they're like have a real relationship and exactly how do i exactly and i think that and so i think what the insinuation is that she read that she's like oh this is how like two women have sex I need right. to get those bells. And so whatever, whatever like commentary you want to get from that. If, and if you still, and if whoever, like whoever still has a disagreement about that whole idea of it, I'm not going to argue with it. I have, I've just watched the movie. I got to digest it a bit more to really kind of come away with a take about that decision. But that is, I do think there is something there. Um, and I just want to comment one quick. Uh, so there's a, interview he had with this French outlet when you know he was um during the publicity uh stint of uh the movie the publicity tour I mean um and he talks about like he says this is his most violent film oh my god yeah I read this that's why (laughs) perfect um so this is this quote by violence we mostly mean physical harm or gunfire 
But to me, The Handmaiden may be my most violent of movies, uh, of my movies, because it's about violent gaze and thinking. For instance, during the reading scene, a group of men hurt a woman without even touching her because they make her a sexual object. Uh, there's another quote. Uh, there's, this, there's also a form of violence against little girls. To me, it's the worst harm one can do to a human being, even if there is no physical contact. Quite a bit of slapping as well. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's, 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 I mean, it's a lot, man. He's doing, he, like, again, he, there's this accessibility that you were talking about, Jack, with the twists and the, you know, like how, like the thrilling, um, the thrilling nature of the narrative of, oh, one's betraying her, her, she's betraying this person, or they all have their own schemes, in their own head. They're trying to get over one another, trying to, you know, it's all, it's all of this like plotting of, um, uh, mystery and lies and deception, all that kind mm. of stuff. That's that accessibility. It's like a like we, I said earlier. It's like a heist movie at some points. But, and that lo- and that, that core trio is so good together. Exactly the way that they're oh, yeah. trying to bamboozle one another by the other not thinking they're being bamboozled at some time. It's, um, I mean, it's a little obviously. It's it's a. Uh, quite a bit more nuanced than, than how we're laying it out, but it's, um, yeah, but it's, it's like super well done. It's just, um, it's real well done. And then like the count, I feel like that character is so interesting. Um, Very. You feel somewhat, I mean, we've seen, you've seen that before, someone who feels so confident and uh, assured of a plan that's going to be executed. But then like, of course we know, um, that not every plan can can be so thoroughly successful. Once it its downfall eventually happens, you're like, "Well, this is interesting." Mm-hmm. It's and his the like the layers of who he is because when he comes when he first appears on screen, he comes off as charming, um, as this like suave con man who can. Like get any woman he wants. He's spinning a soliloquy. Like what is yeah? This? <laughs> trick any man he talks to. Like he's he is the shit. He is the guy to do. You know he can do whatever he wants to whoever he wants and get away with it because he's just that damn good. And then the moment like shit like you you get you start getting you know like he starts to reveal himself with his background about like being like having a life of squalor and working so hard just to, you know, be someone to learning manners. Um, Cause he's always felt like an outsider and how he's craved that ever since. And, you know, it, but like you still, but then you really get to like, Oh no, this dude's like, I don't want to say evil, but there is just this real dark side there yeah. that he is not showing. So he can become again, so he can come off as this, suave charismatic guy but yet there's a bit of a monster inside him that like he's trying so hard to suppress which is the irony because like you know while obviously we know that they're like con people like from the very Mm -hmm. beginning it's like laid out you know we're gonna con her out like that's exactly she's gonna be in the madhouse by christmas (laughs) exactly like that is literally the plan and there's something about the count that like you trust in a way that like Mm -hmm. I even caught myself with like Suki like you you for some reason I don't know if it's because they focus more on her or what it is but like you kind of expect her to like be like 
evil per se, but then she ends up being the one that like falls in love and like caring for the lady. You know what I mean? Like she ends up being like this whole situation brings out a kindness in her. Well, the opposite happens with the count, but in a way I trusted him more. And so it was like almost like a challenge to my own biases that I brought into the film because I was like, why did I trust him when he ends up being like, (laughs) yes, selfish. They both were selfish coming in. But, like, instead of, like, kind of letting all of that go, like Suki did, the Count, like, got more selfish, you know? Mm-hmm. And he became... He, he, he kind of revealed himself to be just one of those other pervy guys in that room. Like, mm-hmm. he, like, at, right. like with, oh, yeah. with, like, how he treats... Um, how do you pronounce it again, Jack? The, the lady, uh, the lady of the house's name? Lady Hideko. Hideko, thank you. The way he treats Hideko, like, especially in that one of the last scenes, it really does show, oh, he's just another fucking man. And not in the, like, <laughs> didactic way that some films do it, but more of, like, he does have those, like, that inner fucking animalistic quality to him that has corrupted him, or maybe not has corrupted him, but... The only difference pe- between him and the men in the room is, like, a suit and a cigarette <laughs> and and charms exactly yeah, like a little bit of swagger <laughs> but that 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 disgusting form is still in him he's not he's not necessarily better than those guys it's yeah just still, because it's repressed doesn't mean it's gone oh so yeah exactly. no that's a that's what that that's that yeah that's what i'm saying yep and also once he gets a taste of like the high life you know mm. there's a certain amount like you don't get away with when you don't have money. I mean, even today, you don't get away with certain stuff when you don't have money. That's, like, it. And, like, and, you know, there's obviously some other, like, racial, ethnic, like, biases going on in this film. But, like, he gets away with it when he's a count and not, like, the poor guy he was before he was doing this Mm -hmm. whole con scheme. So, like, he feeds into it more and that's ultimately his downfall like he's like he's bad at the beginning and we don't realize it until he he gets a taste of the good life and and Suki is the difference there is she gets kind of a taste of it but she's like good pure Mm. good in and out so well she has empathy and that's yeah. and like he show like he says a lot of times like no I don't pity her I don't like I, it, it's it, it, right. he shows that he is completely uh, devoid of empathy he just he doesn't have it anymore and he she's not he, dead inside <laughs> yeah and he 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 like he excuses that lack of empathy for I've had such a hard life I had to grow up on a farm like I had to work right. so hard but it's truly like it that's not an I mean, it, the movie, I, I feel like, really feels like that's not an excuse because it isn't. And it shows that he's just, it's just a justification to just fuck over people and a justification to also, like, be, like, a horrible person. Right. Ugh. And uh, I think he, I don't know if he thinks he's good as, as he really is. Uh, once he plucks out a new uh, handmaiden, he is then so confident like nothing will happen not only with like the plan itself but that she'll go along with it and no longer are ulterior motive ulterior motives in play because she she has a brain for herself and so then she could be conspiring but then he's so he thinks he's all that that never just enters into his plan 
he's pure arrogance and like <laughs> yeah he, and, and he feels so superior and it's that misogyny that comes in because he sees these two women like fight like have being emotional over the other having empathy over the other as a weakness and like he says like what is with you you know what is with women and like don't you understand that you know like she says this behind your back or you know and like how these ulterior motives and they that she doesn't love you and to just kind of manipulate and corrupt both of them um and because I, I, uh, he's a really well-written character yeah and because park chan wook is like made this so well you you don't feel uh like dirty watching him you don't feel like no. you want to leave this screening because you're watching a man that you don't uh you don't trust or like is is like you feel uncomfortable actively, yeah right you feel uncomfortable and um i think it's it's because of the performer that there's a le- level of you know check off another uh film criticism term but like gravitas is is obviously in play here but it's it's also like the character is written that way he's the character is exactly. explicitly written that way to not be disturbing because that's all he's trying to, he's trying to charm everyone and he's right. charming the audience and that's why like I bought him to bought into him initially and that's why Shay bought Completely. into him initially. Like exactly like he's a very he's also quite handsome. I'll be he's honest. He's so handsome. He's I very mean, handsome. It doesn't hurt. Like <laughs> everyone in the film is pretty like attractive. Yeah. Like the main cast is like and I mean that's for a reason. They're they're kind of different attractives, you know. It's obviously well cast for that reason because like you can't have Suki being like the most prettiest person that's ever walked in ever because that like that would kind of ruin the whole gig. But she yeah, exactly. is like very like charming in her own way as well. And, you know, and it, almost gullible, but yet you mm-hmm. know that she's like that because she's a con artist. Like, exactly. <laughs> and I love that because there's something really like talented in that. The very childish features, I think, plays yeah. I mean, her laugh is childish. Like the way she giggles. Um, it's. I mean, it's infectious. It's also just. It's a great way to like. This is the character. <laughs> like, this, like just by a laugh, you can kind of be like, this is their perspective. Like, she never really had a childhood, so she's she's not like develop developmentally like, challenged or anything. Like, I think she's like she she's kind of aware and somewhat mature. But like, she's also has these playful tendencies inside her that you know because that never really went away because she's just had to con for her entire childhood and just right. be someone else never that probably really had a chance to grow up. yeah yeah i mean it, exactly that's also like a, that's her key to tricking people is to right. play into the gullibility and the childlike tendencies like no one suspects her because they're like oh that's a mm-hmm. kid or exactly you know. yeah yeah and, and it's done to the nth degree right too, also like I think every facet is here. It's done to the best possible uh, shy of how it can go. Um, yeah, that character is so interesting. I um, I love the the part when they finally get to the to the loony bin. Oh my god, and that might that, be I mean, my I'm, favorite. You know, I and mean, we'll we'll get to a favorite scene, I think, eventually. But yeah, it's that part is so uh, it's so good. You Which feel part like, specifically? Um, in the first act. No, no, no. But like, what part of Looney, Looney Bin when she first gets there? When she's yeah, in the but, mess yeah, hall? Yeah, on, on the arrival. Okay. Yeah. yeah, that's a great scene. But yeah, I just, 
I just think that character is so is so interesting. Like you feel, and I, and I love the introduction when the uh, sibling is so much more enthusiastic to go along, mm-hmm. and then eventually the camera pans and it's like, no, we're going to the sister. Uh, no, okay. I know we might get to favorite scenes, but like that first twist is my favorite because, like, again, it's Park Chan Wook. We should expect a twist, right? Mm. But I was sitting there like so engaged i wasn't expecting anything like i'm like oh yeah you know they're there they're getting her to the loony bin what and like Mm -hmm. that just like upped the expectation for me like just because it had already grasped me as a viewer and then i wasn't even expecting it like i got so lost in it i i it's not because a twist wasn't even on your radar yeah. exactly like i was just rooting for them to go like con like i just want you guys to succeed like <laughs> yeah. you guys are in you're headed to the loony bin like you're you're about to admit her like you are almost you want the uh, you want the moment of george Clooney and brad pitt walking out of the casino with the money yeah but instead they you know i don't know like return the money to a bank like what the <laughs> exactly. it's like mind-blowing because <laughs> Like, yeah, duh, I should be expecting more to come after this. But again, like, it's just human nature to kind of just, like, you think you know. You, you know, mm-hmm. you fill in those patterns. And, and just the look on her face when it's like, wait, me? Like, <laughs> <laughs> I'm going in there? Like, no. And then, it, of course, if you're the one that's supposed to be going into a loony bin and you're like, no, that's not me, that, like, hurts your case. She, um, I think she throws a look to Lady Hideko, like, I think you're making a mistake. It's supposed to be her. <laughs> right, and She's then like, the person's like, okay, oh, sure. What? Like, no one's going to believe you when they're like, that's the crazy person, and then you're like, no, 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 mm, that's right. the crazy person, and then they're like, right. okay, crazy person. And then turns into the Spider-Man meme, like, what? Exactly. That's exactly what it is, and it's like, what? <laughs> Oh my goodness, yeah. That, and the, the, I mean, the reason why that twist works, I mean, yes, it's great writing, but it's also, I mean, the actress who plays um, Lady Hideko, uh, I want to get her name right, uh, Kim Min, Kim Min Hee, um, you fucking buy it. You buy it that she's this, yeah. you know, depressed, lonely. How much do you buy it for? Avoid, like, I will buy it for $1. No, um, <laughs> I think it's, you just, you eat, like, you are exactly, I mean, the the beauty of this film is that its perspective of each character is so well defined that in that first part, you are, you are absolutely Suki. You are just, you are her, you are no one else. You are only looking through, you're only looking at the world through her eyes through that entire first part. So you, like Suki, completely eat up everything that, um, Lady Hideko is selling. You just believe her. You just believe yeah. that she she is this, you know, that she is this, you know, um, this hopeless, this, you know, um, helpless, alone woman who is about to give up on life itself, who has- who She just wants so to cry, shoulder to cry on. Yeah, she's so devoid of joy and like in, in, any sense of happiness or fulfillment that she is just this, like this ghost living amongst like among the living like she's just she's not here and then that twist is what makes it all just feel like so like the first part 
I was sitting there again on the couch, just kind of like laying back watching. As one does. And the moment that twist happens, it felt like the couch instantly became a roller coaster in front of my eyes, and then the handrails came down. Like, holy fuck! Where? What is happening right now? Are There's we a camera somewhere? to take your picture. Above. Exactly. Like right. it just turned into a roller coaster all of a sudden. I'm like, I was not expecting this. Strangely, um, it's it just like changed. give your mom money to see the picture. It, like, <laughs> I gotta give you the weird. entire yeah. dynamic. Like, I was it's interesting that they oh, compare yeah. <laughs> uh, Lady Hideko in the first act to a ghost, uh, then to see what we find out about her aunt. Because she has no it's, emotional grounding. Like, she, she just is, feels yeah. like a specter. She doesn't laugh. She doesn't like, um, she hardly cracks a smile. Um, I suppose like when um, they're on the ferry later on in the end and when they're running through the garden, I, I suppose like that's oh. when her true... Uh, happiness is coming out but still it's it's like in that first act it's it's quite it's quite a misdirection that is so like um you feel glad that you were misdirected right oh i'm so happy that the movie (laughs) fucked me over i'm so happy just like just like ah you think it was going this way no you're wrong you're very dumb let's go see what you did there yeah um yeah and also i mean the beauty of that twist is it makes it more obvious in the second part because the film, it feels like, yes, it has a lot of the same scenes, but from completely different points of view, like the camera shot, like the shots are completely different from the scene we saw earlier in the first part, especially like the bathtub scene. And there, and this, some scenes are a little extra, or a little, you know, have a little form, like few more meds tacked on to show more of uh, Lady Hideko's perspective. And that's the beauty of this film is that we are shown like the same two first acts in completely different ways to really like explain each character's perspective but it also feels completely new because you have this entire new perspective on the scene is yeah. oh she's fooling her and it just oh my god again this is what movie should be is this <laughs> this level of thought entertainment you know you know emotion it's just oh. good movie um and a thought that i had on my revisit I felt almost like when we switched to uh, Lady Hideko's perspective, there was an omniscient narrator who was kind of like flipping through the previously on the mm-hmm. maiden scenes. Mm-hmm. And we kind of skipped forward in some and left behind others. Like, okay, yada, yada, yada. Like we, Flipping we through like a book? Like, a, like Ooh, a page turner. A book. And this movie does deal with books. A lot of books. Mm-hmm. Some that were thrown out of shelves. Yes. Yes. Good. Scene. We'll, we'll we we might talk about that later for a certain ooh. segment. Ooh, we do on for a certain song. segment. Ooh, ooh. Yeah, it's it's pretty great. Um, spoilers, but spoilers. spoilers. So how? So when you first watched this film, Shay, what was what was your thought process during the second act? Ooh. Uh, I. I mean, at that point, and I I think that's why that first twist really just like, you just have to let go and just like watch it you know what I mean Mm -hmm. like because yeah you do start seeing like you see the explanation of like how that twist happens like everything kind of like backs up to that twist for the next like bit and then when you start seeing the way and the reason like the more you learn about Lady Hideko and like the reason why her aunt is dead and the reason why she's kind of tricky in her own way and the reason that she's she's like kind of like malicious 
you know but oh yeah because she, she also like she was very like like at one point she was very okay with sending some random innocent woman to the madhouse oh completely like that and was you understand not... why yeah and that's what i like is like because you don't suspect it and then it happens and then you learn why she's so okay with it and you're like wow yeah and and so and i kind of like love that i love seeing um messy female characters and i mean this film has two very messy female characters who are messy because they've had to be like that is their their form of survival is is Mm -hmm. doing whatever they can so you know for suki it's it's conning and surviving that way and then it seems that lady hideko's like own like kind of evil you know and i say that like in a good context because i i love like evil women like you know (laughs) like like disney villain like you know what i mean like she kind of gives me that vibe but like obviously a lot different uh because there's a lot of sex involved (laughs) but uh (laughs) like she she's had to be that way because of her circumstances and and i think that there's something there it shows that you know hard circumstances don't always mean the same result and Mm -hmm. we cope with those differently but yet the ultimate the ultimate like end result of these women like where they are in the moment where they like come together is what each other needs which is Mm -hmm. to me really cool because you don't really again you don't see that until closer to like the third act and and I, I, I don't know, I really like that because no matter how messy they are, it's like they complete each other, which again goes back to the whole idea that like this screenplay is actually very simple in aspect, but yeah. simplicity means that it's harder to, com- like, to complete and to show in a very complex way. And to be yeah. like satisfying and also new. Exactly. Like, to make a simple screenplay new is... I, I like I don't even understand what I just said like it's it's a weird thing to like to have it structured the way it is and to have the plot like you know we've all seen like a triple cross before I mean we've seen that exactly. in plenty of these kind of movies but for it to feel I don't know I'm, it's never felt like a triple cross has never felt so emotional for me like to like that last like them coming together to fuck over the count I don't know why I'm saying fuck over a lot. That's just usually the best way I can say betrayal, my own language. <laughs> um, but like when they get over on the count, that I felt so much joy. Like sometimes, like in these kind of movies, you're like, yeah, man, they came together and now they're, you know, they're screwing over this person, blah, blah, blah. But like, I felt like genuine, like emotional attachment to a, to a betrayal. Like, a, right. oh my God, this makes me feel so much of them just You feel like deciding. a participant rather than a exactly. Exactly. Not in, you know, I'm not there just to appreciate the twist. I feel like I'm seeing something beautiful happen, even though it is somewhat devious and um, deceptive. It feels, it, it feels like it's an act of love betraying him. It feels like an act of, I don't know. It's just, it, it, it feels, it, it, it all feels so good to watch just to see mm-hmm. those. And like in a lot of these kind of movies when any romance film, I mean, you know, soulmates, quote unquote, when they're, you know, that concept used in these films can always feel a bit like, 
I mean, they seemed good together, but are they soulmates? I don't think you really sold me that. Like, right. I, 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 that's I, very you, true. I, I don't know if you, I, I don't, you know, I, I think they're great together, but I bet there's also someone out there that's probably this good. Like, you haven't bought, you haven't really sold me that, like, these are the only two people that could ever be together. That these are, you know, quote unquote soulmates, that these, there's no one else in the world like them. And that they going never, back this to is a true said. love. Um, but that you really feel their, like it is. This is this is yeah, you this do feel like it's true love their, in this context. At this time that they're soulmates, you know, it's they're temporary roommates for their soul. But it's I don't know. Yeah, it's it's something that you feel uh, like connects. Like the puzzle piece goes together. Yeah. Even though there's no puzzle to solve, you know, obviously. But um you know when you're doing a puzzle and sometimes two pieces almost connect? but it's like mm-hmm. not quite. Yeah. So it could have ended like that. And uh, if you're describing the movie, like in, in an elevator pitch format, Ooh. it's kind of hard to believe this is where we end up at the finish line. Right. right? Um, I find that fascinating. Yeah. This, this screenplay is so intricate that it's not, it's not just like trying to adapt this novel that's impressive, but it's like pulling it off um, as well as Park Chan-wook did. Because I think we all knew if he was going to make a new movie, like it's going to be at this point in his career something to look out for, but this is just unreal. <laughs> yeah. Um, I think like the moment I felt like, oh, these two people were meant to be together. Um, was when Suki, it was in the second act, even though we saw the scene in the first act, they played again in the second act, um, with, of course, from Lady Hideka's um, perspective. It's when they're on the trail, about to pick mushrooms, mm. and um, Lady Hideko asks Suki how her mother died, and then they get on to this point, and then Lady Hideko says at one point, I wish I was never born because I killed my mother. Um, in childbirth and that and Suki grabs her, like you know grabs her head looks into her eyes and so you know t- it gives the speech that um Suki's own aunt gave her talking about her own mother's death and just now knowing the perspective of Lady Hideko's like history with her aunt like her childhood just seeing someone have that much empathy towards a person and lo- the way they looked into each other's eyes and that like sense of like like support that Suki was trying to give her, just like oh these people were like yes these two no one in the world else, no one else in the world matters these are the two people that should just be together forever like these are these are soul like these are souls intertwined with each other with the trauma they've experienced in the childhoods they've had it's just yeah. oh it's kind of so like good, uh, so good. falling in love with uh, this. Khan is mm. intertwined with chemistry between actors. Yes. You can almost bring it to that level. Uh, like, obviously, these, these two are so, so good together um, because their personalities are so opposites attract. Mm-hmm. And once they start to realize that this, I mean, this job for both of them to pull off is going to be a little harder than they first realized um yeah it just kind of like falls into place after that yeah 
it feel it all feels like we've talked about before with Park Gen Mook, it all feels so meticulously planned. Mm. Like this out you know, all outlined. It's all it just all fits. That's the thing. I keep coming back to the puzzle in the tree that um Jack talked about earlier, the, like the pieces just fit. It does anytime I really think about like the structure of this movie, it does just feel like it all just fits nicely into place. And even technically uh proficient Oh, it, yeah. um, it, he's one of those auteurs like PTA, the Coen brothers. So good with sound design. Like he just, he knows how to make it feel tactile uh, to the point where it's like, it's, you feel like the glass of the fabrication in, in the, um, when you're watching a movie is kind of like breaking down and you feel like you're, you're then transported into a world like, because, because you can hear everything so well, you know, visuals are only half the story. Which goes back to like what Jack said about uh, seeing it in a theater. I mean, seeing this film in a theater because it does, it gives, it's on so many levels, you know, it's not just the visual, it's not just the storyline, it's, it's everything, the sound design, the, the cinematography, it's like everything, it, it just, it's I wish I could have seen experience. this in a screening room like a, with a weird professor like you did. I mean, <laughs> I, I, I won't complain. Like, I mean, at least it was a big TV, you know, or a big projector. Right, how, did your how did your classroom react when the twist happened? I mean, we all were like, what? Like, like was there like an audible reaction where people were like, oh, oh yeah. shit. Well, that's oh, awesome. Yeah. That's fucking Thankfully, awesome. That class was mm. like a whole bunch of us that like kind of knew each other. Um, oh, awesome. Yeah. Felt a little bit more comfortable. We had already like talked about some hard films and watched some like very long films in that class because we had, you know, already gone through uh, Sakura Sawa, like mm. some other, there was one Chinese film that it was like the same structure as uh, The Postman Rings Twice or whatever, mm. but it was like set in China in the 1800s. It was very interesting, but it was long. So like we had sat through these long kind of like more melodramatic films. So this one was like a whole different, cause we kind of expected it to be the same. I mean, a lot of Asian cinema is like very long melodramatic, like beautiful, like masterpieces, do not yeah. get me wrong. But like, we kind of expect- Kind of somber that. performances too. Like you kind of have to sit yeah. with human emotion. So um, for, for this to be what it was, we were all like, what? <laughs> yeah, and, and honestly, this is a really good movie to scream at the class. Like even even if there there is some uh, some scenes that would suggest like squirming in your seat, but right. at the same time, and going back to the accessibility, it's not like I don't know what would be a really bad foreign language, like the white ribbon, <laughs> like like by Mikhail Haneke, like it's oh. like hard like German World War Two, like I don't know, like you, um, yeah, something that would just take a lot of concentration, but you can definitely sniff out the technicality that's that's so excruciatingly good but but yeah this is this is awesome the scream of the class yeah it was it was an experience i'll definitely never forget that like <laughs> I, yeah. I have one um that i saw uh chunking express with with a classroom that was really Oh, awesome. I did too. I watched oh. I watched Chunking Express in the classroom as well. Like I remember um I this is not a Chunking Express episode, but I'm going to talk about it anyways. <laughs> um there's a scene in the big there's this It oh, would follow the structure like cutting it off halfway and then Juan Carlyle, man. Um there's 
so the pineapple bit where the dude eats all those expired pineapples and it's like a long scene when he keeps doing that i remember my classroom going apeshit everyone was like oh my god uh, like everyone was like like yelling at the screen because he kept <laughs> eating them and eating them and it looked so gross i that 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 was really fun yeah <laughs> or like we saw rosetta together the uh the dardenne brothers movies yeah um and that ending, wow, everyone's like, like everyone, like the, all the air was sucked out of the room. There's some, like, even though the classroom isn't like the movie theater, it, there are some like special experiences that come out of just watching it with a whole bunch of people who just share since what, the like you're meeting, you're meeting with the same people ritualistically. It's mm-hmm. oh my and gosh, you're all there to love movies. So, uh, um, hold on, there's a movie um, that I had to watch in my class. What is it called? It's like. Um, it's the one where the guy it was he's like he films his wife at the time have giving birth and it's like very like in her vagina like Jesus. while the baby's coming out it's called like baby water birthing some something like that but like that was an interesting class viewing holy fuck and we all were like what like because she's like basically like naked in the bathtub like they go to this cabin so that she can give birth on her own and then like so she's just like naked the whole time and then like he does like close-up shots of everything and so some people were like yeah that was a lot and then other people are like it's really beautiful and then some people were like it was a yeah. little much like it was a little it's the beginning of life yeah, like maybe maybe it's weird that like he's like the dad and is like here open up like let me <laughs> let me get a, a good shot of you in this painful moment breathe breathe okay now smile for the camera <laughs> oh my gosh yeah wow and that's like, that's a fascinating experiment but i'm sure yeah that that would be the opposite reaction where it's like well, it wasn't um, the same professor right as fucking no, no. Thank God. He was like a younger professor and like he got Imagine a Imagine if it was yeah, that's that's we that's like a comfort watch. Yeah, that's a comfort it was, watch. I felt bad because like he I've seen it five times wrong about like French New Wave and I was like raising my hand and I was like, That's incorrect. Oh, no. I was definitely that student. Yeah, I was gonna say you're that girl. No, like well, I am we only team. have those students on here. Those, those are the only people we have on this podcast. <laughs> right? <laughs> that's who we are. This is the meeting. I've done that before, um, and I'm always ashamed of it. Um, like, I was the guy. I was the guy who there was a test question, a little fun test question um, in our film class, and it was I think about the Oscars, about who was nominated for Rebel Without a Cause or something. It, I, I don't know if it was. I've, I was actually. I think it was like an extra credit thing, just like a fun. Oh, see if you know this. And I'm like, this is like the question itself is false. Like these options are false. And I go to her and it's like, this is wrong. And she's like. Oh yeah, it is wrong. Thanks. <laughs> what, do you know the question? I think. Oh, like it, it. It was. You know, James Dean wasn't nominated for Rebel Without a Cause, but who was? And I'm like, mm, James Dean was nominated, or or the opposite. I forget. Um, but it was something like that. In that moment, you knew. So that's all that matters. Yeah, I was just like, mm, no bueno. Make no sense. <laughs> um, oh so gosh. I just. Yeah, I, I've yeah, had those fun. experiences um yes but uh well, yeah oh yeah i would have loved like i saw portrait of lady on fire different movie very different movie um i saw that in a theater and you know it's like i don't know just uh, movies and like movies in general especially movies about love i think it was the last movie i saw before 
Oh, really? I saw Emma. That was the last film I saw in theaters, which was fine. I mean, which, which was, I don't know if it was like particularly a great theater experience. I mean, I liked that movie, but it was like, all right, cool. Um, but like anything, anything that really celebrates like two people connecting, I feel like you have to watch it with some, like, I feel like it's so much better to watch it with people. Yeah. I don't, I don't know why, but it, you know, it's like, we're all sharing this experience of like, awesome, oh, that great. They love each other. Yeah, they found they found another person. Yeah. Oh, okay. It's called Window Water Baby Moving. I knew it was four words. I just couldn't remember the four words. And it's by Stan Brackage. Great title. Yeah, just- it is. And there's literally like a like the film is like literally like a window and then them filling the tub with water. And then there's like a baby and it's moving. I always love those titles that are like a distinct four word. Yeah. Drink man woman. Martha May, Marcy Marlene. It's always That's why I was maybe, like, can't remember the words. Maybe right. art was a maybe combo. art. Maybe art was a bad idea. Maybe maybe art was like maybe this was a bad idea to have like count fucking. Well, let, let me let me show childbirth as like art. I don't know. Maybe I'm an asshole, but like, it kind of it kind of sounds like this is an idea Amy Adams from her would have. <laughs> Um, there's I can that see one, that. There's that one scene where she's like, okay, I'm going to film my dreams and then I'm going to like have someone interview me in a documentary form about the dream experience. Oh, that's right. It's all going to be created in narrative. Like that kind of feels like... Maybe we went of... too far with all this free thinking anyway, bullshit. Right, right, right. <laughs> uh, anyway. The, hand, the handmaiden. Yeah. <laughs> a great I feel film. like this is just shot beautifully too. Um, no games were played when it came to uh, the way this movie looks. It's just stunning, like all Park Jam Luke movies. Uh, but he just grows and grows as a visual artist, I think. Yeah. It's, I, I mean, again, like so cliche, um, but like every, every frame is a painting. You know the drill, like it's, it's just a stunning movie to look at. You feel, you feel as the, I mean, I think that the house itself is actually good house it was it was good house good house um yeah it's it's an actual set they built this i would live there i would I live would in that house, want that house. <laughs> um and you feel you feel how um how real everything is and, it, and it's like you know building sets is so if you can kind of feel the uh the passion being shown on screen rather than if it's just something that's then put on afterwards yeah i mean good house i i i don't know it's a it's a, it's a nice looking <laughs> house uh i would live there i'd be interested it's, it in kind of reminds me of uh, room in there how about baba's house from spirited away it's like the bathhouse mm. and oh that's a great idea and... it reminded me of the mansion in knives out Ooh, and i think that was the english oh one gosh, that I was the that like house. because the Oh, the I don't Thornby's know. The, house. Yeah, the Thornby's house. But like in the beginning when Suki's giving this tour, the tour guide, uh, I forget who it is. I think it's the uncle's former wife or whatever. I don't know. Um, like she talks about like how, oh, one section of the, like the estate is like a Jap, like, you know, like a Japanese architect, like um, a Japanese architect designed one form of this house and an English architect designed another. And like how they're right. like both, like competing styles because the uncle is obsessed with that like also i want to point out he can like he's he literally you know 
he's obsessed with cultural appropriation. Like he just yeah. needs to be Japanese so bad. Like he's just obsessed with it, um, which is, again, there's just a lot of stuff in here. There, you know, we, we were talking about um, how it takes on like sexism, misogyny, and like how it, you know, violence towards women and you know, social men, orders. Impression. Yeah, and like how men control, like how men have this, like make these, you know, make women these objects of, you know, like sexual objects, like um, Park when Park Chan Wook said in that interview. Uh, we talk and like it also deals with cla- the class structure and you know capitalism in general about like um and the class difference between the rich and the poor and the fucking like the lines you will cross to you know maintain or um to have that status that you uh crave so much for and also like this weird like cultural conflict of japanese and korea um um in korean culture um because apparent like i don't know i'm very ignorant about that like kind of eastern history in general um and yeah, I, I had no idea about yeah no i and i don't even know is this like world war one world war two like I, I don't even know what like year this takes place in i couldn't really like tell i but, believe like, it's just the 30s is what okay yeah i, I think so so but like yeah but like they're jap japan once like uh, occupied korea and i had no I, I i didn't know that i had no idea so i didn't know there was this also this like i didn't know there's this cultural conflict that's been you know a part of that um that region for fucking decades it's been more. it's really bad mm. i i mean i knew like some conflict of you know whether it be like china's influence in other right regions but like i didn't know like japan and korea had this like this long-standing conflict um yeah and so but that whole side of it i mean i'm not smart enough to understand the commentary about some of that stuff so are we are any of us history nerds here like okay good okay i'm not either because i feel like super good not on that region for sure Mm, right that region i'm the worst with speaking of like if we're that person in a classroom there's always going to be that that uh you know, fourteen-year-old boy who knows oh, everything yeah. about World oh, War II. Like, why do you know all these random facts? <laughs> I I know a decent amount about World War II, but that is also because I'm, I don't know, for some reason, you know, boys at a certain age are like, you know what, World right. War II was kind of awesome. <laughs> I want to learn more. <laughs> um, which is weird. I like uh, the fact that we were in teams. Like it was a schoolyard. Yeah, and it, it it does. That's that's another conversation, right? Right. right. Um, but there are also like there's just like these three again these three different like commentaries and you know um, that serve a narrative function and create a lot of like actual thought and um, explore these ideas these like very important you know monumental ideas in our culture and in our society um, mm. from like that have there are again a huge part of life Hmm. that it also but it is cemented into this story of deception lies and you know uh, betrayal and conning and love and it's just like we keep talking about things we love exactly (laughs) that's the thing it's like what's the recipe to to a surefire five star right exactly like what are all the cool things in life or what are the most interesting, cool things in movies? Ranked. Here's this movie. 
You got your love, you got your deception, you got your thrills, you got your twists, you got your commentary. Number one, deception. Number two, thrills. Uh, I think the occupation from Japan also makes the handmaiden a step above um, in all great historical epics. I think something that's key, you need the, uh, the core of your story in the backdrop of something much larger and grandiose. Yeah. And so we know this conflict is going on with Korea and Japan, but Suzuki and, uh, and Hideko are having this whole, this whole situation happening. But uh, on the other side of the land, it's pure chaos. I, I mean, obviously we're never shown it, but we, we know. And the opening shot is so good because you have that rhythm, that rhythmic beat of like kind of your heart's starting to shake and you feel as though that you're under a regime just as though the villagers are. Um, yeah, and because it's set up so well, you feel like that tension um, globally is, is then sustained. And we know what happens like later in history, like, you know, just a couple of years later, really with the beginning of like the rise of fascism and World War II, you know what I mean? Like it's set like Mm -hmm. in Japan and their involvement in all of that. So it's that to me also is fascinating because this is before any of that happens. Yeah. And also like, again, like, you know, it's like, commenting on you know colonizing and the instant division that has um and how it affects like you know because uh the uncle is from is of korean descent was born in korea and how that like you know that colonization that japan has over korea has made him up like has made him infatuated obsessed with japanese culture and i mean it's a lot it's a lot going on um and uh and it doesn't suffer for that. Like a lot of times some of these movies will present that kind of commentary or those ideas and just skip over them, uh, right. making you feel like, okay, you just wanted that in there for no apparent reason, just to make yourself feel smarter. But <coughs> this, it feels like, oh, there was a pur- there's, you know, narrative purpose. That's the, that's the word that keeps coming to my mind. It's just such a neat film. And like the screenplay, I mean, it's just so, again, precise, clean. It's just, it's very, it's just all accurate and very, um, accurate in the sense of it doesn't really miss there's right. not like there it doesn't have there's not these like missteps that you feel like oh you kind of fumbled the ball on that yeah you feel um, like you can imagine a worse version of this mm-hmm. yeah. um have any of you seen the a film uh it's german film called phoenix yeah. uh it's directed by um christian, christian petzold uh, yeah petzold yep phoenix is fantastic yeah. oh you've seen it okay yeah the way history and the final shot great final scene i mean that movie is just uh i will literally like i cannot someone choose that fucking film if you're listening to us choose Mm. it come on this podcast Mm -hmm. i don't care who you are Mm -hmm. i want to talk about that fucking movie yeah um but like the way nazi germany very much like a modern vertigo for those who wait it's germany right it's not no wait no 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 christian's pencils is uh german but wait is the does the movie take place in germany or no, it does Berlin. Okay, Berlin. Yeah, yeah, right, it's true. Um, so yeah, and like the, the the way you know Berlin is the back, like you know, um, 
Nazi Germany is the backdrop of that movie and how it functions and how World War II functions in that context. Yeah, kind of reminds comparison. me, it's a bit, it's very much more apparent in that story than this one. Like it's much more solidified and um, explicit. In similar deal with transit. Yes, similar, very so, and that that's a whole other thing because that movie is like that, that. That's a weird movie, and I mean, someone good, but it. Yeah, any any of his films, and he has a new one coming out. I'm really excited. Undying, yeah, looks good. I really want to see that. Um, but the way, like you know, the like the narrative focus is on um our main character, the lead. I forget her name. Um, and her her ex husband and the mystery going on there. Um, Nina Haas, that's the actress. Um, who gives oh you, you were still talking about phoenix performance. So. yeah sorry phoenix but like <laughs> i was like wait <laughs> yeah where? yeah hold on <laughs> nina haas but no you're right nina haas is uh fantastic yeah just just oh my god um but like the way what a star the focus of that movie is her relationship with her husband and like the deception going on around there while having berlin as like a backdrop but like that but the idea, you know, of Nazi Germany, and of course, that's much more like featured in the story in that movie than this one. But again, narrative purpose in the way it uses those backdrops to inform the characters, their decision, their backgrounds, the environment, like just everything. It's smart. You know it's what I feel like would be a fun extra credit question in a class, a film class. Oh, God. What's the final like song already. that the main character in Phoenix sings? Oh, I'm... Oh. Right, that's right. That's... Do, you, do you know? No. All right. Oh, it's like a friend. <laughs> All right, but no, that's a good idea. Um, I'm not. I'm know, not saying like you know it, but it's just like. like I mean, it's if, a good. You know this? I like know that'd be it. fun if the uh, um, the professor is kind of winking at you, like, "Hey, <laughs> no, you get God. to pass it if you know." But um, but no, the movie uh, *Handmaiden*. Mm-hmm. Uh, right. Sorry, I got on that long diatribe, but like no, it's the, way it uses, the way again, the way it uses its historical context and its background, its environment is very good. Yeah, and our knowledge of it, of course. Yeah, it introduces like I didn't, I don't know, I don't know about it. I'm, I now know about it because of this movie. So there you go. I definitely didn't you know. know to this extent. Like, I mean, I knew it was there, but I've never really looked into it. I guess. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, there's, I I mean, also our education system sucks ass. I mean, so that too. We don't look outside of any, like, you know, we're so obsessed with the West that we learn nothing about the East. Yeah. Um, Alright. Is there anything else we want to say before we get to favorite movie? Or favorite movie. God, fuck. Favorite scene. That's <laughs> yeah, one of those days. It is one of those days. I feel that. I guess it's um, one of those years. It's yeah, 2020. Favorite movie, Zodiac. Oh God! Um, yeah, or is that yeah, so? Is, is there anything? Is, shush. Um, is there anything we uh, want to talk about before we get to favorite scene? Anything on like your notes list or anything like that? I didn't take notes for this. Uh, I didn't either. It it's a long yeah, movie, um, and I had I didn't want to I I, I kind of watch it in the middle of a kind of like a time crunch, mm-hmm. so I got I kinda, and and I'm sure for language it. is kind of hard to. Yeah, it, it yeah, that's almost impossible. I don't think I did that for many other film in foreign language. And I suppose um, now that you brought the uh, uh, runtime, just like a fantastic use of two twenty. In two twenty, yes. you can look at it and be like, okay, that is homework. <laughs> but in res- in result, it's like, wow, it's it's just. 
I guess and apparently there's an extended cut that's two hours and 48 minutes cut. that was then put in and into, I had no idea uh, that exists um yeah that's I don't even know what that movie is honestly yeah I think it was put into theaters afterwards um it's how it's oh. theater run I don't even want to watch it honestly because it's such a perfect thing that I don't want right the 220 is so good what else would they add I wonder I don't know, there's, another sometimes, there's another act. There's another act. That, that would be crazy. That, <laughs> another would just, twist. Yeah. All that three would of them are in the movie bin. All three. Oh the my god. It's all in their mind. Yeah. <laughs> oh god. That's a. Oh man. I. All right. Now you sold me. I'm, gonna I'm watch watching it. a lot of Lost right now, and they're all on the island. <laughs> oh. Oh god. Uh. Yeah. Let's go to favorite scene, man. Yeah. Oh wait, Uncle. Creepy. Bad. No good. Yeah. I wanted to say that. I kind of sympathize with them. Um, and <laughs> Go away. The black, the black tongue is an excellent touch, but also is a real thing. Like yeah. people, that, is it? that happens to people. I think so. I, get, I, I assume so. I think I've seen it before. I think I've heard about it before. Don't, don't question me on this. And I think um, if it is real or if it isn't real... I feel like Park Chan Wook has such an outlandish sen- sense of humor sometimes that you kind of accept it either way. That's very true. Like you kind of, yeah, yeah you're, again, you just kind of trust the experience. Hmm. Yeah, he, yeah, he, he's not a, he's not, well, man, he is subtle, but like sometimes he's really not subtle. Yeah, yeah. Like right. yeah. Old Boy is not a subtle movie. At all. <laughs> and I kind of feel like this is a similar discussion we had at Bong Joon-ho when we did Parasite. It's their sensibilities are so specific. You kind of oh, can't nail ju- them. You kind of can't nail them down unless you're talking about like, like themes they're interested in. You can't talk exactly. about their sense of humor or something like that. If that makes the sense. best joke of the movie is when Lady Hideko's hung herself, and like and she's <laughs> yeah, holding. She that that would be a that would be a weird way if I just ended it. Oh, the f- f- best joke was when she hung herself. No, yeah, suicide. Um, there's there's, there's more. There's more yeah, there's more to this of what I am saying. Please listen. Do not turn off. Um, it's when so like she tries to hang herself. Um, Suki kind of catches her, and then they have you know they're both confessing. And right. when she confesses, she's like that motherfucker and leaves her those hanging. She's like choking, making these like horrible choking noises. She's like, oh, sorry, my bad, my bad. I laughed very hard. I laughed very hard. <laughs> it's a very happened. dark humor in this film. It is. It's so unexpected too, because you're such yeah. in the middle of that scene. It's all very serious, and then she's like, "That fucking piece of shit." And you're like, "Oh, my bad. You're you're dying." <laughs> yeah, my like bad. I don't really want you to die right now. So yeah, just like, oh, my bad, my bad. My I love bad. how many Suzuki, how many times Suzuki lets out a fucking hell. Like it's right. Of... <laughs> fucking hell. You... Yeah, it's great. <laughs> If everything else is so oppressed at this time, you would think that cursing is too. But because we were witness to it, it's like there's a little bit more of personability with that character. So Yeah. Mm. All right, favorite scene. I'll go first. Or um, oh actually wait, hang on. Uh, are we we're doing segments or shout outs before? You do it after. Yeah. All right. I think so. <laughs> I mean we want to do it before, we can do it before. I thought it was before, but if you say it's after, then I guess. I mean, I, we're at an impasse here. You say it's before, <laughs> I say it's after. Or, or no, I say it's before, you say it's after. No, wait. Shay, you're the tiebreaker. Uh, I don't know. After. Let's just, I want to talk about scenes. Okay. All right. All right. All right. She wins. She wins. Um, Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> um, my favorite scene, 
I'm just going to say it because I've been sitting on it. Uh, it's when they rip out all the fucking books. Fuck those books. Fuck what they mean. Where, like, Suki just goes to fucking town and wrecks shit up. It's oh. great. The score fucking is just on another level at that point. Great score, by the way. Um, it's just it's so... Score. It's so, so fucking satisfying. I listened to this score a lot when I first saw it. It's really good. Um, but it's just such a great climax. Maybe not a climax, but it's like, it's a lot of catharsis. Yeah. Just, just ripping out all of that garbage that they made her read over the years and basically tortured her mentally by just, well, also physically, because that guy's a fucking piece of shit. Um, but like, just literally rip like burning it all down and i love how um lady hideko isn't doing it it's suki because suki is fed up hideko for some reason has been trained so much like has been like brainwashed to you know to go not go against her uncle in this way and that kind of you know suki is standing up for her she is you know trying to she is just out of pure anger for how they've treated her and what they do to her because she loves her so much is has to release that anger because it's out of love is, at the end of the day. It yeah. is. And it's, it's just, love. and she, and you know, Lady Hideko just like follows her and just witness her, like basically tear down all of the shit that has tortured her childhood. And that has mm. basically defined her at that point, unfortunately, and just haunted her for every second. And, yeah, it just made her miserable and how, you know, Suki just says, fuck all of that shit, man. Like, we're done. We're, you're, we're moving past this. It's just you and me, baby. We got to, you know, like, we all have to tear, tear this, the, um, the fuck down. Like, this is yeah, yeah. no more. No we're going to start clean, uh, essentially. And the paint and them throwing it in the little pond. I like all of that. That was pretty cool great um yeah no just a great scene um a lot of catharsis in that moment uh and it makes you again it just kind of uh, like certifies their relationship and their love for each other what they will do for each other how much they mean to each other and it's just it's sweet i like it that's it hey, you wanna go? that's my favorite scene well mine is definitely that first twist as i kind of explained earlier but just because again like i wasn't expecting it it's the first time, like I said, I really love messy women, evil characters, and you see that. And Lady Hideko, Hideko for Hideko, Hi, my Oklahoma accent won't let me say her name quite right. So the lady, I'll say, but like you see that, that for the first time, and like oof, that to me is like I love it because I love mm-hmm. evil women, like I really do, in in this kind of sense, like she's so. And, and then, you know, we find out, like, more why she's like that, what she's doing, what she's up to. But, like, oh, my gosh. It just, like, adds, like, a whole new dimension to that character. And I I, I love it so much. Mm. I just, ugh. I love crafty women. They're so oh, good. Yeah. These are the best. So um, I think I'll go the final scene with the Count at the very, very end, his torture. We haven't talked about it. Whew. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> that's a lot. At least he got a cigarette. At least. At least. At the very goddamn most. Um, yeah, just beautifully shot. I love the squid. Um, it it kind of like, I yeah. was thinking about old boy, famous squid moment in that film as well. Um, 
yeah, I, I, I love how that's the first time that we've seen him at least fully desperate and, and out of law and at a loss. Um, and it feels, it feels like a character that got its comeuppance and earned it. It's not like he was interfering with the two women in their, in their destination. I, I think it's, yeah, it just kind of ties a neat bow. So, yeah, it's also, all the loose, actually all just the loose ends are tied up. Shout out this one shot that I always found so exquisite. Um, they're on the ferry and uh, it's like the sky is all like cotton candy. And oh kinda, yeah, yeah. I don't know how to describe it. It's if we're it's like highlighting, the it's on the it's on the tip of it. Oh, it's just amazing. If we're highlighting shots, um, the shot of after so they've escaped uh, the uncle's mansion or estate or whatever you want to call it. They're about to elope, um, and they come across this like rib, this like forest and this river that they canoe over. And the shot, and like it's this hazy mist in the very, like in the, just like the earliest of mornings. It's like probably three, oh right, it's, four, it's like hardly a tinge of blue. Yeah, it's like four or five a.m. Something ungodly, and they're just like, and they're all. I mean, just the cinematography and the color of that scene is just so so breathtaking. Just the the you know the green of the trees with the blue of the river or whatever body of water it is is just it's really breathtaking and i mean i always i think mist always always cool i like mist it's foggy mist I, re- fog. I remember the cinematographer uh that park chan wook uses because his name is jiang jiang hun and i remember he was a really big deal because this movie coming out and then he was announced to shoot it oh. around the oh. same time. And I remember that was a very big deal. That it's like, holy crap, Andy Muschietti just got Park Chang Luke cinematographer. This scene's gonna look awesome. And it does. It but, does, but, yeah. Yeah. Um uh to have someone from like from internationally uh come to shoot something like it, like wow. That's right. Do you wanna do you wanna know what other two American films he's done? Yeah. Uh, yeah, sure. Right Hotel Artemis. Okay. And the second one is even crazier. Zombieland like... Double Tap. No! Yeah. Wow. <laughs> yeah, both of those absolutely exist. Um... In the two movies he's coming up, two of, like, they couldn't be more different. Mm. Uh, one is an interesting project. Last Night in Soho, the Edgar Wright horror film. Of course. Oh, right, right. He's shooting that. <laughs> right. And he's shooting a franchise <laughs> film starring a young star that has taken the hearts of many. Uncharted. The young Uncharted movie with young Nathan Drake played by Tom Holland. Ah. And he is shooting that movie. Fantastic. Wow. Well, I'm yeah. going to watch both of those. Yeah, they're going to both look fantastic, I bet. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I'm not Uncharted. At the very least. At the very, At very, very least. least. Like, the Uncharted one I'll see. Like, yeah. Edgar Last Night Wright. Soho, that, that one really stung when it got moved. I know. All of these, honestly. Yeah. I just remember yeah, that being these. an early one, at least. I guess that's why I brought it up. Like, that one's Early-ish, yeah. Early-ish. Yeah. So. But anyway, no, okay, so uh, should we go into segments or shout-outs? Shout 
segments and shoutouts. We're doing all of them. Um, oh my God. I have not, like, again, I watched this movie very, I was I just had a hectic day, so I have not been able to do Humble any brag. good reading on it. Uh, Humble yes, brag. Humble brag indeed. Um, what, what, what are some pieces that you guys are interested uh, or want to shout out? Um, I found a uh, behind the scenes featurette that I'll put a link to online. Ooh. That's pretty interesting. Um, also, the review from Madsler Sites. Oh, I read that earlier really, today, really actually. Good. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, MZS. Yeah. I mean, the best. Oh, that's what uh, I thought. That's what, I unfortunately can't recognize his name just off the top when people read it, like his <laughs> full name. But I had an idea of who that was. And then you said MZS. I'm like, oh, yeah, that guy. Yeah, he's great. He, he follows me on Twitter. Okay. That's, that's enough. Are you <laughs> No, he does. Um, yeah, he follows. That's me. so cool. <laughs> a lot of cool people follow wow. Shay. A lot yeah, of cool people, yeah. including me. Well, wow. yeah, know, you I'm guys pretty... are the coolest. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> it's uh, like how Kumail Nanjiani follows Meg Brady. Like, what? What right, is like, going on? It's fine. It's <laughs> totally cool. No, I think I feel like sites might be the coolest person that follows me. Yeah, that's really cool. Damn. Anything you have to? Oh, yeah, actually. Okay, so this one kind of, like, goes in uh, to some broader um, topics, but it's the piece, it's on, from Film Days by Nia Tucker, and it's called Permission to Yearn, the, pop- the Problem with the Popularity of White Lesbians in Period Films. And so she actually calls the, or uh, I think her, I don't actually think Nia uses pronouns. I think Nia just uses her name, their name. Um, so Nia, like, talks about how The Handmaiden is, uh, the antithesis of, of this, because it's really one of the only films where we don't see white women in period films that fall in love, and so I just think it's such a great piece. I've read it several times, just because it's so well done, and yeah, so I I will definitely shout that out. I think I've retweeted it a couple of times whenever it's gone back out through the Twitter world because I'm like, mm. this piece needs to be read. Yeah, it's always something that needs uh, promotion. Yeah. And that's, and that's so interesting. It's not like queer cinema should be invulnerable uh, from my criticism. Yeah. So I, I think that's awesome that, that that's being pointed out. It's a great Eventually, great right. And it is kind of true because you think of all the other, like even a port- portrait of a lady on fire, it's two white women. I mean, um, it, really you get a lot of white characters that fall in love with each other, but this mm. is, this is one that it breaks away from that because you, you not only have two like Asian characters, they are Asian characters who are like we talked about just in, in this world where they're not supposed to like, interact much less like each other (laughs) so you know they're dealing with with some of the the biases of their own community that it's racially based it's you know it's prejudice against uh you know japanese against korean so you know it's dealing with with a very specific kind of biases and i i don't know i i found that very fascinating and yeah it does sound fascinating and we're not any better with covering things that are about subject other than white lesbians like the favorite warms yeah. color uh carol like these things are kind of 
in the same tree, I suppose, with, uh, um, and I, and maybe the piece goes into this, but you can also point out the fact that there's like a, uh, stopwatch. Um, like they need to get like most queer cinema is about like, you need to fall in love, but then there is the thing in your, there's a roadblock. Right. To, uh, to discovering full, your full happiness. And it's like, is there something you can just, but it, it, I think that's, we're just, we're about to wrap up. So it's like, I don't want to. No, but that is a good point. And this that. movie, like we see them run away together. Like we mm-hmm. get that. We get, we get that, that catharsis. Yeah, yeah. And they don't, there's not like a direct obstacle of them being gay. Like that's not mm-hmm. like a direct right. thing that's right. being challenged, which is nice. Like a lot of time, like you were talking about, Jack, even though like, I love Carol, that movie specifically about like, you know, you know, how socially unacceptable being gay is. And a lot of, you know, a lot of, you know, queer cinema is because that's, it's the main talking point that, you know, that's what people have to get over apparently um, when watching a movie like that. But for this, it, it was refreshing to be like that. None of like the bad things that are happening to them or what or why like people are going against them is because they are gay. Right which is good and it and never and I, because honestly i mean i'm not saying films don't shouldn't tackle the you know the prejudices and the bigotry concerning you know pe- uh, people who are queer but like it does become to a point where if that's solely any you know um gay romance movie it becomes just you know it's like oh so they're cursed like that's their whole like that's what <laughs> defines their romance is just the bigotry out there and so is there a vaccine be, that we need yeah to like the curse? it's right. just it's so it can just become overwhelming and like mm-hmm. we kind of want to see other relationships that right, necessarily don't have this aspect they don't always need to be about the bigotry but and that's, that's why a, I, I man i just yeah. had this thought i can't not but that's why i think this rom-com coming up with kristen stewart and mackenzie davis might be a different avenue um it's just yeah. romantic comedy <laughs> i think that, I that is that. the deepest uh possible like yeah it doesn't that's yeah, what we exactly. need is and that's the thing is like uh, like you can do that without it being tokenism as well like you mm, know, exactly oh uh, yeah yeah i agree Shay Besser, well, thank you yes so so much for coming back we love having you so much hall of famer guest right. only person on here only person who's ever had me on a podcast. It's true. Yeah. The only I've, yeah. all, I've, I've only guessed it on one podcast, and that was yours. And yeah. also, since we're getting into plugs, let you know you talk about the new adventure you've been on when it comes to uh, podcasting. Oh my goodness, I have been on an adventure. Uh, I mean, I started MBA podcasting as a way to fill my time. Ironically now my time is way overbooked because I have other gigs going on. But um, by podcasting, I, I found um, a really a great curse. podcast. It is. You're right. It's a blessing. It's a blessing. <laughs> I am very busy and I love it. So I can't complain. But uh, I have joined the host over at Hardcourt Honeys. Um, and we, so we flipped the switch on a lot of sports journalism is women asking men questions because they're seen as the expertise. And so mm-hmm. our show has a guy ask us questions like we're the expertise. And um, love to see it. It's great. It's great. It and is great. 
I've watched, I've watched some. It, it, it's really great. Thank you. Well, yeah, and we do a live show via Twitter. It's a 30-minute show uh, that I'm now hosting on, um, on Thursday nights at 7 p.m. Eastern. And basically, we take tweets from NBA Twitter, and we talk about them. And so that's, um, that's where when I'm hosting, we give our, our, our guy, um, a chance to talk to, cause he's also an NBA fan. So we, you know, he, we're all about equality, you know, we're not trying to silence him or anything. Yeah. Um, but also, you know, I'm still, um, co-hosting a native podcast where we interview different native women who are working on different front lines, um, and their community, whether it be journalism or, you know, athletics. Uh, yeah. And then I'm still writing film criticism. So like, I'm just doing it all. I'm overwhelmed just hearing about this. Oh, and I'm in a <laughs> master's program. So woohoo. <laughs> oh my goodness. The mid twenties are taking off like never before. I know it's the prime of my life. I got to do it all. I love it. Um, that's well, so Jack, cool. what are you doing with yeah. your life? No, I'm joking. That's not me. I guess no, what not it, nearly it, enough is yeah. as we here, huh? Oh, no, you don't have to do it. I, just, <laughs> I guess I you can, have a job. I don't have a job. <laughs> I'm so. employed for now. Yeah. yeah. Uh, my writing can be found at the Simple Cinephile about movies, uh, Cineflix Daily, um, trying to use a medium profile more often. You're posting then, some mediums, uh, my man. Mediums. You're posting is them. You know what they're called? No, I don't know. I, I, don't, I, I don't know. know. I was like, is that a term? Yeah, hang on. I've man. only posted once on medium, and it was just because I, it was just an essay I wrote for school. And I just like, this is pretty good. Other people should read Was it the thing? It was the thing. Yes, the thing. I love that's like my favorite movie, and I always love when people talk about it in sentences because, out of context, it's like people you know, you can like the thing, you know, the the thing, like the the thing over there, the thing, like it, you know, it's funny, yeah, absolutely. Um, but yeah, that's that's my little portfolio. Where can they find you on social media? Oh my god, what what are your tags, my man? That's what I, yeah, that's what I lead with. I mean, that's what we're supposed to, yeah, I'm Jack A. Draper on Twitter. Well. That's great. Follow him. <laughs> oh. um, everyone can follow me at... Wait, did Shay, did you get your social medias out? Oh, no. I, I'm on all the socials that I think I can possibly be on, and it's at just Shay, S-H-E-A, Vassar, V-A-S-S-A-R. Be like... Were others like M- taken? Yeah, I was going to say, were others taken, or is it just... Like, this one's... Like, I, this well, one has a nice ring to it. I'm just Shay Vassar. I'm the only Shay Vassar in the world. So really, oh, oh that's neat. Oh, I like it. Oh, I like it. I, like I know. It. I I I've researched it. I am the only Shay. Vassar, oh, really? That's actually. Ever oh wow. Because like apparently, I, there's only one other Jack Draper. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Next to you in your state, and there's five. <laughs> no. In your room. Yeah, there's only one other in the room. Um, he he he. he yeah, he's right behind. Don't worry about it. Um. What was I going to say? Oh, yeah. Be like... Your, MC, your, turn. Uh, your turn. Yeah, well, I wanted to say something real quick. Jesus Christ. I want to be like MCS and follow Shay Vassar on Twitter. Of course you should <laughs> be, be cool and follow her on Twitter. Um, y'all can follow me at Birds of Clay on Twitter on yeah. Letterboxd. You can follow me on Instagram at Clay Williams. All right, Mr. Clay Williams. I wish Clay Williams was available, but I had to add a Mr. in there. So Mr. Clay Williams. Um, please follow the podcast Twitter account at ETT pod. 
Uh, please leave a voicemail or comment on Anchor. You can email us if you want to at exitingthroughthe2010s at gmail.com. I'll spell it out. Uh, the 2010s with the actual number. Um, what else? Uh, rate, review, subscribe. If it was five stars, we'd greatly appreciate That'd be it. Awesome. Yeah. That would be amazing. Uh, share us. You know, you have a friend that Tell likes a friend. the movie podcast. Yeah, Tell just like, friend. hey, listen, listen to these two idiots talk Phone about it. You're not going to learn anything. Um, next week, we have your bud, Jack Hendricks, back talking about Jackson. David Lowry's ghost story. Jackson Hendricks, we're talking about David Lowry's a ghost story. He is great. He is coming. He, he is a returning guest from the infamous Star Wars episode. Infamous, mm. truly. Of course. It's and, our um, most infamous, I think. I'm going to be really curious how a ghost story is going to be as like a conversation rather than just a very intimate personal watch but i think we're gonna all you're gonna eat pie during the podcast i think that's i haven't <laughs> Have seen, seen the movie it? but i know yeah, i was gonna I, say no, oh. i haven't but i know that part i, I've, you know I, that I part. think i've seen a clip of the pie eating yeah mm-hmm. uh god bless Rooney mara um but yeah thank you all so much for listening stay safe wear a fucking mask go vote please um but yeah please remember defund the police black lives matter we'll catch you all next time on exiting through the 2010s